I'm, I'm switching cables. Ms. Jones. I right, apologize. We just uh, they just brought back all the equipment from a retreat, so technically it's, things are a little bit tough today. Bear with us. If this thing starts to pop, just pray against it. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a there's a little there's a little demonic spirit in the atmosphere right now. I'm gonna bind that joint. So uh, right now, I want to take this time and pray. Um, our people of God, we've got to respond to that. So, you know, if any of you guys are spiritually sensitive, you know, wake up, pray. Let's pray and to see. Uh, right now, let's take this time. We're going to pray a couple of things. Um, if you know my old, my old mentor, Brother Michael, uh, his name has been brought up as a possible guest speaker for a retreat we have in May. Um, but he emailed me this past week. And uh, he, let him, he let me know that um, he's in a financial crisis right now. Uh, he does ministry, and on the side, he paints as a business, as a part-time painting business. And that business has just kind of dried up in the last few months. So he has not been able to pay his student loans, which are like $700 a month. And he hasn't paid it for about two months. Uh, so they're coming to collect. And so the only way he can protect himself is to file for bankruptcy in March. Uh, now, if he files for bankruptcy, he said that he most likely will not be able to come to Korea to speak for us. Um, but he's trusting God for a financial breakthrough. And you know what? We're going to stand in agreement with him and pray for that financial breakthrough. Amen? Because we want to see Brother Michael preach. Amen? amen. We want to see him prophesy over the brothers and see them cry like little babies. Amen? amen. All right. So we're going to pray for Brother Michael that God will give him a financial breakthrough. And we can also pray for Andres Bisoni's Miracle Crusade. As you know, we need to uh, pray for a new venue because the Onuri Sobingo main sanctuary, it, um, we found out that it's double booked. So uh, we're most likely going to yield and look for another place. All right, so we're praying for those two things. And then bind up that demonic sheki that's in the, in the air right now. All right, let's take some. Let's pray all together. Come on, raise your voices. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Praise you, Father God. Lord, we come against, oh God, we take authority over, oh God, Lord, every work of demonic hindering spirits in this place, oh God, Lord, we bind them by the blood of your son, Jesus. We pray you loose, oh God, your anointing upon this place, oh God. Anoint, oh God, Lord, this place, this atmosphere, oh God, Lord. Hallelujah. Anoint me to preach. Anoint your people to hear. Awaken your people, Father God, Lord. This is your kingdom come, oh God, your will be done. May your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray, oh God, Lord, right now for Brother Michael, Father God. We pray, oh God, Lord, in agreement with him, oh God, Lord, with a yes and an amen upon your promises, oh God. That if we seek your kingdom first and your righteousness, all these things will be added on to us. We're praying, oh God, Lord, that that curse of poverty and that financial lack and that debt, oh God, will be canceled off his life. I pray that, God, he will be the head and not the tail. That he will lend and not borrow. That is bless your blessings and your favor, oh God, Lord would deliver him out, oh Father Lord, from that financial crisis, oh Father God. I pray, oh God, for Andres Vistoni, oh God, that you'd open up doors for him, oh God, Lord. 
that you'd open up a door, Father Lord, for us to have a big venue, a bigger venue than even what we had at Honori Sabingo Main Sanctuary, O God, And we pray, O Father Lord, that you'd open up these doors. We know that these are doors that you're opening, that we are beholding, that we're knocking on, that no one can shut, that no work of the devil can shut, that no man, O God, Lord, and his flesh can shut, O God, Lord. So we praise you and we thank you that, Father God, Lord, that you're answering all these prayers. Hallelujah. Come on, let's press in a little more. Come on. Come on. Let's pray, people of God. Press in a little more. Hallelujah. Lord, I bind the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we are not unaware of his schemes. And God, we thank you that when we speak forth your word out of our mouth, a sword comes forth to cut us loose from every work of the devil, to deliver us, O God, Lord, by every work of the devil. So, Father God, we cover this place right now with the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And we plead the blood and we receive the blood. We cover this place with your blood, O God, Lord. Protect us, deliver us. Awaken, O God, tired hearts, O God. And stir up the spirit of your people, God. Stir up the spirits of your people, God. May our spirit men wake up, God, Lord, to heed your word, to give you worship that is in spirit and in truth, O God. We thank you, Father. We praise you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we invite you. You do a good work here in this place. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, this is your first time today. Uh, welcome to JSCM. Hallelujah. Uh, if you're not used to what we just did, uh, that's just, this is called prayer. All right, if you were in the upper room at Pentecost, that's what it would have sounded like. All right, tongues of fire fell and rested on God's people. And they all spoke in tongues as God's spirit gave them utterance. And some people think it's not for today. And some of us think it is. So hallelujah, here at this church, you'll find that the vast majority of people think that it is. So um, praise the Lord. If this is your first time once again, uh, welcome to this church. Uh, we, want, we are glad that you're here in the house of God. Um, but praise God. Um, as God's filling up this place, uh, Satan is also not happy. And he's going to try to attack. And, uh, and leaders, come on, JSM leaders, we've got to rise up. We've got to rise up. You know what I'm saying? This is a wake-up call for the leaders. You got to rise up. You can't be found asleep. All right? Especially for newcomers that come. Our, our, these leaders, we got to pray. We got to be on alert. Amen? Amen? All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me put a little smile on my face. Lighten it up. Hallelujah. Let's look at today's passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, look with me, verse 1, verse 1. It says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Uh, we're reading from the ESV, uh, our church, uh, 
just decided to go with the ESV. Hallelujah. All right. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Hallelujah. Now, the context of this letter is that there were false teachers in the church of Corinth. I'll give you the background, right? So if you read this passage, you must ask yourself, what kind of false teaching is the Apostle Paul trying to address here? And by the contrast that he's making in this passage, Paul is addressing the issues of Jewish tradition, laws, and legalism. All right, just look at this chapter, and you can see clearly what Paul is trying to address. And to our benefit, in his arguing against these Judo- Judaizers, Judaizers, these uh, people who are really zealous for Jewish traditions, uh, who call themselves Christians, but some of them weren't, some of them were. These Judaizers, 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 I don't know how to say it, hallelujah. These zealous Jews. Zealous Jews, hallelujah. And to our benefit, in arguing against these guys, Paul shows us how wonderful the new covenant in Christ really is. So praise the Lord for the enemies of God, or people that oppose God's message. Because in doing so, if you look at church history, Thus, did God use his saints to clarify the truth. Whenever there were lies that rose up, that's when God's people got together. And they searched the scriptures for, to define what truly is true. Hallelujah. And nothing like, nothing like a little attack to get you on your feet. Amen? Nothing like a little lie, you know, a little gossip going around for you to want to desire to clear up your name and, and tell people what it really is. Tell them the truth. Hallelujah. Now, the history of the Corinthian church plant here, you can find it in Acts chapter 18. If you look in that chapter, it shows that Jewish opposition was nothing new for Paul. He had begun the church plant here and tells us in chapter 18, verse 6 of Acts, Paul devoted himself to preaching in the synagogues, but the Jews, they opposed him fiercely. They opposed him in that synagogue. And they, they even opposed him to the point that they start to abuse him physically. So in that chapter, it tells us that Paul shook off his clothes in protest. And then he began to focus his ministry on the Gentiles. On the non-Jews. Hallelujah. So, you know, Paul, oftentimes he'll go into a town and he'll start with the Jews. He'll go into the synagogues and he'll argue and he'll persuade people and he'll preach there. But here in this particular city where he was rejected and they start to even abuse him, he focuses ministry on the Gentiles. So in doing so, many, many Corinthian believers came to Christ and they were baptized. Hallelujah. But despite this new focus, Paul still faced opposition from the Jews. And this opposition was so threatening that in verse 9, God actually had to take a Take a step to show him a vision and tell him that everything's going to be all right. God appeared to him in vision and said, don't go nowhere. All right. I got many people in this city. No one will harm you. Hallelujah. And Paul ended up staying. In, in fact, he stayed for a year and a half teaching and building up 
uh, this church. So by taking a glance at this church plan, you can see that Paul dealt with a lot of Jewish opposition. Now, the interesting thing is, this similar opposition arises a couple of years later, once the gospel spreads and the churches begin to, to grow much bigger. And it's almost as if the opposing Jews, they were like, well, if we can't beat them, might as well join them. So the opposition that you see Paul facing as he preaches the gospel, he, it manifests later on from within the church. Okay, And that's the context where we're reading 2 Corinthians. Everybody with me? Amen? Oh, half, half of y'all with me. I think that was about one-tenth, actually. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, um, I think what really happened here is, you see, whenever the gospel goes to a new area, Satan has one strategy. And that strategy is to discourage and to attack the gospel preacher, the evangelist, the apostle, whoever is there doing the church plan. That's his strategy. Now, he knows that because God is powerful, he can't keep that person back, but he can try to delay it. So that's his strategy. Now, when Paul realized he couldn't stop Paul, what did Satan do? Satan switched up his strategy. So since he couldn't stop the stop these people from responding to the gospel, he begins to send his spies within the church. How many of y'all know there's spies within the church? Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, are you a spy? Why don't you ask him that? Are you a spy? Oh, man, y'all don't know. Y'all do not know what... No, you don't know. You know what? I'll tell you two stories. Hallelujah. I just, just came to my mind. Y'all, y'all, y'all want to hear my story? I just got, got this yesterday, actually. I'm going to leave these people anonymous. Actually, one of them I can't keep anonymous. I'll, I'll just let you. Actually, I can't. Oh, man. All right. There are spies in the church. Let me just say that. And, and actually, the news I'm going to share, it does pertain to the whole church. Uh, I will let you know uh, when things are cleared up. Oh, it's shocking. It's just shocking, man. You know? How you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, 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 Jesus told a parable. He said at the end, at the end of the age, the angels, they're going to go out. They're going to they're gonna see that the wheat and the tares, they're growing up together. And so they asked Jesus, uh, should we go and pull out, pull out all the bad plants, the tares? Pull out what we call the weeds. Should we pull out the weeds? And Jesus said, no, you don't. Don't do that. But in doing so, you might pull out the good plants with them. All right. Just you wait. And when it's time for the harvest, I'll put the sickle to the harvest. And then I will separate them from the sheep and the goats. Hallelujah. I mean, I mean, hopefully none of y'all are spies in here. Sent by the devil to cause dissension in this church. And hallelujah. You know, as a, my job as a pastor is, is to find... Find those, find those people. Now, I'm serious. Mark Driscoll said it this way. The pastor has got to protect the sheep and shoot the wolves. Hallelujah. I'll take that very seriously. If I find out you are a wolf, I will shoot you. I will say, please leave this church. This church is not for you. 
Hallelujah. And if you're a true Christian, but you're here with the wrong spirit, and you're here trying to check out some honeys, or you're trying to harass some of our sisters, hallelujah. Oh, you don't want to mess with these sisters. They can take care of themselves. <laughs> they are fire-filled, spirit-led sisters. They will tell you no to your face. They will tell you stop, I am me. They will reject you on Facebook. <laughs> They'll take care of themselves. But, hallelujah, where you go out of line, I might have to step in. Hallelujah. Let me get back to my message. Hallelujah. (laughs) Man. So Satan, he switches up his strategy from trying to stop the gospel from being evangelized to actually sending his spies within the church. So hallelujah. What happens is Paul is a bit frustrated. He's a a bit frustrated because he planted this church here in Corinth. But he's not planted, he's not so frustrated by the the opposition. No, he's not, he he knows, he knows that that's his common. He's not frustrated with the opposition. He's frustrated with the response of the church to this opposition. All right, let's read verse 1 again. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you? Or from you. Because there were various imposters that were rising up, this created a need for letters of recommendation for people to minister at the church. And such letters, what were going on was people were falsely forging these letters just so that they can authenticate their ministry. Okay. And so, I guess. Church of Corinth were almost kind of like asking Paul for his letter of recommendation. And you know what Paul's response is right here? Let me put it in layman's terms. Because right? you know, it, trans- it gets translated from the, from the Greek to the English and it gets lost. Let me, let, me just, let me tell you like in the street language, right? He's like, why do I got to commend myself to you? Why? I planted this church. You better ask somebody, I planted this church. You asking me for a letter of recommendation? What? Okay, that's, that's kind of like pretty much, you know? I'm OG. I'm the godfather of Corinth. Like pretty much. That's coming, I'm coming, he's coming off that way. All right. So he said, what you talk about? I got to commend myself to you? Well, I got to give you a letter, right? That's how he's responding. And then he says something interesting by the Spirit of God. And this gives us uh, a beautiful spiritual teaching in this passage, just from that first verse. He says, you want a letter of recommendation? You want one? I'll give you one. You are my letter of recommendation. Hallelujah. Snap. Right? Then, then the Corinthians start to think back into their video memory. When they first came to Christ and Paul baptizing them in the water and coming up out with this angelic music. And they're just like, yeah, I I guess I am, you know. And Paul's saying, don't you remember how you used to live? And how through us God transformed your life. You are our letter. A recommendation. Now, And and for real, um, Aaron and I just went to Australia two weeks ago. And man, this trip. It gave us so much joy. 
we were, we were, I was just rejoicing, man. It was, just, it was just a good trip. And I think one of the reasons why is because the way God opened up the door for us to go. I didn't send out, you know, the church we got to preach at in Melbourne and the church leaders in Sydney that we got to pray with. These doors didn't open because I sent them my resume and two letters of recommendation. Nah, that's not how it, how it happened. God opened up this door through a letter of recommendation named Jensa, named Jane Han, named Sasha Kim. That's how God opened up these doors. People saw their transformed lives, and that was enough. Nobody asked me to fax over my NYU degree. Nobody asked me, well, what did you major in, or what, where's your seminary from? Nobody asked me that. Hallelujah. I was, I was ready to answer them, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, did you, where'd you graduate from seminary? I didn't graduate from seminary. <laughs> yeah, maybe y'all are the first time here and y'all are shocked. Look, I'm at the pulpit. I do not have a seminary degree. Hallelujah. I'm standing here by the favor of God. I came through a different kind of school. It's called the School of Hard Knocks. Hallelujah. And if you walked a mile in my shoes when I was a kid, you would understand what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. It wasn't that tough. Uh, it, it was tough, though. I grew, up, I grew up in Philadelphia. Now, you don't want to go there. You don't want to move there. Hallelujah. Yeah, man, those churches down there, they looked at these sisters. And they were like, wow, this is a good letter recommendation right here. And praise the Lord. This trip also gave me much excitement because you know what? There are more letters of recommendations out there. And God's going to continue to send out letters of recommendations all over the world. And God's going to use it to open doors for us. Some of you God's going to call on to go and travel and speak. To give a seminar. To preach a message. To lead a prayer meeting. Hallelujah. And you know, on the horizon, I'm, I'm just calling it out right now. I see Chicago, New York, and I think L.A. LA. Chicago, New York, and I think L.A. And somewhere down the line, it's like Singapore and, uh, and hallelujah, other countries. And I believe that God sends out these people out of our church, not to make you sad, but he's trying to create a special situation for our church. Where God can open up doors in the nations that no one can shut. Do you understand, brothers and sisters? Our church is unique that way. When we have a lot of people, new people come in. But a lot of people also, we say goodbye to. It's hard. It ain't easy. And people who've been here the longest, they know how hard it is. Who's your best friend? Well, it was Jane. And then it was uh, Mary. And then it was, oh, I guess it's now Aaron. And, you know. You know, nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. But you know what? There's blessings. There's hidden blessings in all of this. Now let's go to, um, let's look at verse 2 and 3. Verse 2 and 3. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Hallelujah. How many of y'all enjoy writing? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you like, if you like writing. 
Hallelujah. All right. We don't got that many in here. Hallelujah. How many of y'all want to write a book? I want to write a book. How many have actually written a book? All right. We got four authors in here already. Hallelujah. Quiet, Brian. You don't have to raise your hand. I already have a copy of your book. Hallelujah. Now, with all due respect, you know, I've never gotten into reading novels and fiction. Just never got into it. It didn't float my boat. And I'm sorry. I just don't get that excited about reading about people that never existed. All right. So get excited. I'm sorry. Just Wow. Can't believe this guy went through all this. Uh, the author actually made it up. Man. Why do I waste my time on this? It's never happened. No, no, I see. I think another reason why, you know, I don't really enjoy it. Well, unless, unless you turn it into a movie, then I'll watch it. Because <laughs> uh, we can get that thing over in two hours. Oh, yeah. um, and I think one of the reasons why I don't like reading fiction is because I'm a huge fan of the best-selling author of all time. Y'all know who I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Best-selling author. Your best, your best sellers, they don't even listen. Because they're jealous. No, they just don't listen. And you know what? Our God, He loves to write. He loves to write. And He writes some of the greatest stories, some crazy stories. Man, I was reading in Genesis yesterday. Man, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had the most dysfunctional family in all of history, I think. <laughs> Have you read it? Have you read it recently? Rachel and Leah competing to have children. And when Leah has all these children, and then by the fourth child, she stops bearing children. She's like, all right, you know what? Jacob, sleep with my maidservant. And Jacob's like, what? This is crazy. Are you, okay. <laughs> and then he has a couple children through her. Then Rachel gets her maidservant. Man, crazy, man. And you know, one of his sons, Judah, you know what happened to him, right? He, he, had, he had these sons. He had, a, he, had a, he had a daughter-in-law. His son got married to this, this girl. But then his son suddenly died. So by kind of like the family law and tradition around that time, cultural tradition, you were to give the, uh, your next son to that girl, to the widow. So she marries him. And then she dies. So Judah's, man, what's going on? Right? So he has his youngest son. And he refuses to give her to uh, this girl, uh, Tamar. Right? Tamar? Hallelujah, that's Tamar. And, um, yeah, so, 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 she, so she, he tells her, all right, I'm going to give you my last son. But you got to wait because he's eight years old. All right? <laughs> Hold on, Tamar. I know you want to have children. All right, so he waits, like, I don't know how many years, ten years, right? And then Tamar realizes, man... Judah's trying to play me out. Judah's trying to play me out. So you know what she does? She dresses up like a prostitute, goes by the side of the road, and Judah's wife just died. So, yeah, you know, you know, you know what's going on, brothers, right? So he, was, he, was, he wanted to get something on. So he picked up this prostitute off the road, sleeps with her, gets her pregnant, and guess who it is? It's Tamar, his daughter-in-law. Nasty, right? Some dysfunctional family stuff. But do you know what's more nasty actually? Is um, 
Did you know Rachel and Leah were actually Jacob's cousins? Did you guys know that? I, I mean, that's, 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 it's messed up to us. But I guess back then, I mean, it was a little more common. But yeah, Laban was Rebecca's sister. I'm mean, Rebecca's brother. So, you know, they were brother and sister. So that was his cousins. He married not just one, two of his cousins. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyway, all right. Praise the Lord. And God, God writes some crazy stories. Amen. That's what I meant to say. And you know what? God has not stopped writing stories, amazing stories, of triumph, of drama, hope, love, victory. And unlike human authors, he doesn't use ink or, or an inkjet printer in our terms. <laughs> but he uses his spirit. Right now at this age, God is using his spirit to write some of the most amazing stories on the earth. And he doesn't write these things down on paper, but upon your hearts. Hallelujah. And these amazing productions are coming forth. The best stories ever are being written right now. And you can't find them at the box office or at the Barnes and Noble. Uh Uh-uh. You won't be able to read about them until you get to the other side of eternity. But boy, let me tell you, man. It is much better than anything Harry Potter got. Much better than anything Dan Brown can think of. Dan Brown needs deliverance. Well, he needs Jesus first. He's full of that wrong spirit. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I'm not just interested in getting to heaven and reading about these stories. I want to be part of one. Amen? Can I get an amen? amen? I want to be part. Of God's grand production. Hallelujah. It's going to be the best free movie ever. Hallelujah. I don't think he'll charge us, right? It'll be free. Free movie. Best selling. Doesn't make sense. Best free movie. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But there's, I think there's a few things that, that we are going to need to play an active role in God's will in his mega production. And those are three things I want to talk about today. Hallelujah. Look at me, verse 4 and 5. First thing. Written not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Verse 4. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. Amen. The body of Christ. Number one, we need more confidence. Man, you ever see it? You know, a director directing a, a, a movie, right? And, and, the, and the actor's just like, you complete me. <laughs> Come on, Tom, man, put some confidence in there. Come on, pretend you're there. And, you know, and, and, you know confidence. You, confidence is a key if you want to do, do good acting. Well, hallelujah, well, in the acting of life, in the real life, you need confidence as well. To play a role in God's will, man, you need confidence. You can't, you can't be all going in there all timid and weak. God's people, we need confidence. Amen? Amen. Jerry Rice, confident. Tara Owens, cocky. Joe Lewis, some regard as the greatest heavyweight boxer of all time. Confident. Mike Tyson, cocky. Hallelujah. So there is a difference. But hallelujah, just because... There's cockiness does not mean that we have to push away confidence. Paul is saying, look, y'all, 
I ain't being cocky. I'm being confident. And I have this confidence through Christ. And Paul's sufficiency comes from God. And a person who is unafraid of grace in this way is not afraid of confidence. But many of you in here, you guys are afraid of confidence. Because you know why? The devil has twisted it. And twisted what it really looks like in the world. And there's very few people that demonstrate good, virtuous confidence. Whether they're Christian or not. Very few. So we, we just kind of we get repelled by the whole thing. And a person who is confident, see, this person does not struggle with insecurity. Now, a lot of times, man, we, we try to be humble, but it's really us being insecure. Let me call it out. Brothers too. Brothers too. And sometimes we just think we're trying to be humble, but it's really you being insecure. And there's a difference. Guess what? God sees it. And he wants to build up your confidence, not your insecurity. Hallelujah. And a person that has their confidence through Christ and their sufficiency coming from God, that person can be confident without worrying about being too proud. And this is the healthy view of humility. You know, sometimes Christians are so afraid of pride that they overcompensate and they embrace false humility. Let me tell you something today. False humility. To be fair, when I say false humility... I'm not saying that you have bad intentions in your heart. That's not what I'm saying. A lot of people, you know, they, they actually have false humility, but they have really good intentions. Right, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God despises that. It's just that I don't want to see you continue in that. That's not going to get you anywhere. Let's redefine your idea of humility. Because you know what? I can always snuff out false humility. You know why? It stinks. That's why. It stinks. Certain people will be like, man, that guy is so humble. And I'd be like, that guy stinks. Get up on the Oscar. I, I want to thank all my directors and my producers. And uh, oh, wow, that guy's so humble. No, he, he stinks. False humility. I could, I, you know, some people, we got the nose for that. Hallelujah. You know, some of y'all are more sensitive to that kind of stuff. And you actually don't want to be friends with people like that. But actually, there are some good people who are struggling with false humility. There's a lot of people who have, who have that struggle. Don't judge them. But uh, hallelujah. And some people think that constantly confessing to God that they are wretched sinners and talking about what a failure they are, they think that's true humility. Let me preach something today. That's not from God. Come on. We all grew up mostly evangelical churches. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And every week, you know what the, the congregation of prayer sounded like? Lord, we praise you. You are good. You've created the heavens and the earth. But we are failures. We are sinners, wretched, ugly, dirty. Our righteous acts are filthy rags in your sight. God forgive us. It sounds so noble, man. I'm telling you, it sounds, when you wrap it up with religious language, it sounds so noble. But you know what? I, I never had peace about that. I, I, I was never edified and I was never convicted during those moments of prayer, repentance. 
You know why? Because I think it's from the wrong spirit. There's a time and a place for some, something like that. But most of the times, it's just religious talk. It's false humility. Brothers and sisters, demonic guilt leads to self-condemnation. But true humility, godly sorrow, it doesn't constantly focus on your identity as a sinner and call you to repentance of general sin. Oh, my sin's so overwhelming. Lord, I just, I'm a sinner. Dirty sinner. I'm sorry. Okay, it's not the spirit of God. And y'all who know healing and deliverance ministry, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Not the way God operates. All right. And when God's spirit comes, he's very gracious with you. He focuses your identity in Christ. Right? And then he leads you to just confess specific sins that he wants to just... He doesn't deal with all 100. Hallelujah. Just the specific ones that he wants you to deal with in that season. And he, he leads you to confess those specific sins and then get victorious over those, over those areas. And then let's move on. That's the spirit of God. That's true humility. All right, a true humble brother... I will be unashamed to confess specific sins. If, if, you, if you can't confess it, it's got a stronghold on your life. That's what somebody said. You know, Hallelujah, this past week, I came across this crazy website. Man, it's going to make my, web, my, my sermon a little longer, but it's a good story. Came across this MySpace, and it, it caught my eye. I, I was on somebody else's MySpace, and then I caught, I caught this MySpace. said, hookers for Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Right? That's the response to everybody. Right? Hookers for Jesus. Right? And this is a pretty attractive girl. And on her shirt, it says, Hookers for Jesus. And then on the corner, is like a little fish hook. Oh, now y'all getting it, right? Okay, and you go to her, you go to her uh, website, uh, her MySpace. Hallelujah. And she's got this crazy testimony of how she was sexually abused as a child. And then she was rejected by one of her boyfriends in high school, and then she just went into rebellion and then got into the uh, sex industry, just starting off as an escort girl and then dancer and then just fall out 11 years in Las Vegas as a, as a prostitute. And she tells the story of how God just completely turned her life around. And hallelujah, it's a tongue-talking church over there. Hallelujah. And she got saved, and she's just telling this testimony and instead of hiding her background, because she's completely set free from it, she's got no shame about it. And God's using it to set other people of such shameful past free. Because you're not talking about just setting other hookers free. You're talking about setting people pimps. You're setting bouncers who work at the clubs. You know how much shame they feel? She interviewed this one guy on the street. There's a YouTube clip. And the, and the guy, he's a Christian. He left his family. And he's working as a bouncer at a, at a strip joint. And he has so much guilt over it. And she was like, you mind if I pray for you? And he's like, I haven't prayed in like 10 years. And she's just like, I, I, I really don't care. I don't think Jesus really cares. Would you just pray with me right now? And she just prayed with him. Beautiful prayer. So God was touching his heart. Hallelujah. I mean, how many of us will go to Las Vegas next week and try to minister in that way? That's a, that's a special ministry. Hookers for Jesus. Hallelujah. And praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's the sick who need a doctor. Hallelujah. And you know what? 
Hookers have no problem admitting that they need Christ in their lives. And praise the Lord, yeah. I mean, if you can't confess it, it's probably got some kind of stronghold on your life. You know, Korean community, man, this is such a stronghold. When's the last time you saw a brother or a sister get up in front of a Korean church and say, you know what? I used to do drugs. I used to live a promiscuous lifestyle, and God delivered me from that. When's the last time you heard that? Hardly ever. Why? Because your parents would be on the phone. How dare you share? And you, you shame the whole family name in front of everyone. That's a stronghold, man. That's a stronghold. Korean culture, we need to break out of that. Man, you go to Australia, you go to America, you hear testimonies like that on the mic all the time. At a good, powerful, spirit-filled church, you hear that all the time. Never once in a Korean church. It needs to be broken. That's the power of sin. The satanic powers. And you know what? The truth is, so many people are struggling in the same way, but they will never hear your story if that's not broken over your life. But praise the Lord, man. You know, praise the Lord. We got brothers and sisters at this church. All right? Hallelujah. Unashamed of their testimony. That's the way it should be. Hallelujah. Our brother Caleb. Hallelujah. Unashamed, brother. You come through your healing deliverance yet? No? No, hallelujah. All right, well, just get ready for it. Hallelujah. Homeboy got kicked out of L.A., kicked out of America. Never, He can never go back. That, that, that stings. But you know what? God brought him over here, hallelujah, and turned his life around. Yeah. Our brother David Pyo was a drug dealer at Rutgers. Making all this money, had a nice, nice car. One day it spun out of control, almost got killed. Car T, T, what you call that? T-boned him, or T-boned him. He should have died or something. He says, I should have died. But he like came out, walking out like the Terminator. And Actually, you were probably, you were kind of shaking up though, right? Hallelujah. But praise the Lord. God brought him here to Korea and God turned his life around. And his parents, they locked him inside the apartment when he first came to Korea. Wouldn't even let him go to church because they wouldn't trust him. But praise the Lord. After months of seeing real fruit, through the ministry of this church, he was completely set free. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's true humility. That's true humility. When you, can, when you can talk about the things that God has delivered you from. And some people package modesty as humility. People think that putting yourself down is humility. If I ask someone to serve and they say, Oh, well, you know, I can't do that. I don't, I don't pray enough. I don't have enough QT. I'm no good. And they're waiting for me to give them a cookie. And you know what? There is none. Because that's not humility. And if that's, if that's stinging your heart right now, receive that. Hallelujah. Because that's not humility. Let me call it out. It's not just one of you. There's many of you in here struggling the same thing. That's not humility. That's a lack of faith. In fact, it can be a form of pride. Because think about it this way. When you do step up, what will the reason be? Because you think that by your improved righteousness that you are now more qualified and acceptable to serve a holy God? That kind of humility stinks because it's got pride at the center. Look, when God calls you, he doesn't call you because of your spiritual performance is perfect. Think about Moses. Think about the uh, apostles. 
doesn't call you because you're perfect. He calls you because he loves you and he sees great potential that you hold. And he wants to encourage and bring you up. Humility, brothers and sisters, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Hallelujah. It's the servant's heart. That's humility. When, when you're willing to serve the lowliest of lows, the dirtiest of dirty, go to the third world countries, not just serve the pastor on Sunday, but you serve the newcomer you may never see again. You serve the brother over there that's just struggling. And you offer to serve them and whatever. You know, hallelujah. When you're, when you're faithful with small things, God entrusts you with bigger things. Amen? Amen? And when God calls you to serve him and serve others, he wants you to draw near with confidence. Confidence. Look what the word of God says. Ephesians chapter 3, it says, According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with what? With freedom and confidence. Hallelujah. Somebody say confidence. Confidence is what a man has when they have a proper view of grace. On the other hand, if, 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 I, say, if I say, I can do that, I can do that well. Christian, that was a wonderful sermon you preached today. And some people will look at that and think that's arrogance. But that's actually confidence. There's affirmation. There's nothing wrong with that. Hallelujah. And brothers and sisters, we've got to have a healthy view. Healthy view of humility in here. Because in God's eyes, look, make no apologies for confidence. Do me a favor. Don't you ever apologize for what you discern and you know to be confidence. Because in God's eyes, confidence is an evidence of faith. Confidence is an evidence of faith. Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hallelujah. Confidence, brothers and sisters. You want to play a big role in the big mega production of God's will? You need confidence. Right, let's look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. It says, Who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Second thing that you guys need, you guys need to be competent. Competent. This comes from the Greek word, hikanosin, which means qualified and adequately empowered. All right. I want you to turn to your neighbor tell him that. God has made you competent. You are competent. You know, the strange thing about being a Christian is you're holding on to two truths at once. It's the weirdest thing in the world. And some people, the devil will use a misunderstanding of this to create confusion and doubt. But check this out. Every Christian is holding on to two truths at once. You are holy, I am holy, and I am being made holy. I am a miracle worker, I'm being made into a miracle worker. I am free, I am being set free. Hallelujah. I am healed, I am being healed. I am a mighty warrior. 
I am being made a mighty warrior. You see this? This is Christianity. People on the outside, they're like, what is wrong with you? Right, hallelujah. And the Bible is saying, you are competent, but you are also being made competent. And the reason why God does this, you know why? Because this is what faith is all about. God wants you to believe it first before you see it. And believing it means, I am holy. Believing it means, I am competent. Now, once you believe it, then we can talk. Hallelujah. The word of God says in Romans 4, 17, that God, our God, is a God who calls things that are not as though they were. Hallelujah. And if you will say what God is saying over you over and over again, you keep saying what God is saying over you, you will rise up to become exactly what God calls you to be. So, um, why does God make you competent? Why? All right. Well, according to this verse, is the answer. It says, so you can be a, what's the answer? Minister. Hallelujah. A minister of what? A minister of defense? A minister of agriculture? The prime minister? No, the minister of religious rituals? Of tradition? No, a minister of the new covenant. A minister of the Holy Spirit. That's what this verse says right here. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Religion, traditions, you hold those things too tight, it will kill you. It has no life-producing quality. It only demands and commands it, but it does not enable you to actually follow through. That's why we need the Spirit of God. That's why we're ministers of the new covenant, ministers of the Spirit. Now, let me tell you some one truth right here. God has called all of you to be a minister. Amen? Amen. You have no excuse. Isaiah 61 says, You will be called priests of the Lord and ministers of our God. In Isaiah, back in Isaiah, that's ludicrous. Because priests were set apart. But Isaiah wasn't talking about his generation. He was talking about a future time. This time. And you are priests of the Lord. You will be called ministers of our God. When's the last time somebody called you a minister? When's the last time you called yourself a minister? Well, there you go. If you haven't called yourself a minister, ain't nobody going to be interested in calling you a minister. When I introduce myself, I don't, I don't actually like to use the term pastor that much. You know, or staff or whatever. I say, I'm a minister. Hallelujah. I'm a, I'm a minister. I minister on the campus. I minister in the church. I'm a minister. And, and then people, are, they're not used to that language. And they're like, oh, uh, okay, minister Christian. <laughs> and I'm like, right on, brother. That's exactly what I want to hear. Because the Bible says you will be called ministers of our God. You're fulfilling Isaiah 61 as you speak. Now, what I'm saying is, I am not the only minister in the house. Say that with me. You ain't the only minister in this house. Yes, thank you. I'm not. Hallelujah. You are a minister. Some of y'all are receiving it. And brothers and sisters, what does that mean? What does a minister do? He has a ministry. Uh-oh. I don't want to be interested in this now. What does a minister do? He has a ministry. One of the things we got to do as ministers of our God, we got to step out and evangelize. Oh, you know, I was touching on this. And some of y'all are excited for it. A lot of y'all are terrified of it. 
Look, we will step on the streets of Itaewon real soon. And one of y'all is going to be part of a skit. Another one of y'all is going to sing off key out there. You're going to give out tracts. You're going to pray for people. People will get hit by the power of God. People will get healed of diseases. I'm going to preach. Then all of a sudden, I'm going to tell Marcus to preach. Hallelujah. And we're going to win souls. And we don't win souls. We're going to at least make the renown of Christ known in Itaewon. Let those demons know that Jesus is Lord over this city. Amen. Hallelujah. We've got to step out, minister to the lost, hurt, oppressed, and sick. We've got to believe we are competent. And at the same time, we've got to get the training that makes us competent. Amen. Hallelujah. So the second thing we need is to be competent. Competent. Hallelujah. Look at verse 7 through 11. Now, if the ministry of death carved and letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of his glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all. Because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. The covenant of Moses, of that of the law in the Old Testament, was a temporary one. The covenant that Jesus established, the Son of God, is one that will last for eternity. Hallelujah. And these imposters that were in the church of Corinth, they were infiltrating the church with all these Jewish traditions and customs. And they were trying to get all these Gentile believers that never knew anything about Judaism to be like, you got to get circumcised. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to observe this Sabbath. You got to observe this holiday. And so Paul, he's defending his ministry of the new covenant here in Christ. And he compares the experience of Moses, the mediator of the old covenant, at Mount Sinai, Moses and the priests. And he compares it with his own ministry as he is a, now a minister of the new covenant. So he's, he's doing this comparison here. And if you look in verse 12, this is the point I want to make. It says, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Hallelujah. Somebody say bold. 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 Come on, say it with some unction. Bold. I can't say bold like that. Hallelujah. The word of God says the people of God not only need to be bold, they need to be very bold. Hallelujah. And bold wasn't enough. Now, there's a boldness that can be quite annoying and unedifying. All right. I admit. All right. If you're bold in the wrong places, man. Hallelujah. But there is a boldness, brothers and sisters, that God admires. In fact, there is a boldness that he himself inspires. Hallelujah. If you look in the book of Acts, man. These apostles, timid, scared, little weaklings, wimps. They became very bold. They stood up to all these educated, PhD holding Pharisees. And they were like preaching. Bold. 
and then they were, and then, the, and then the Pharisees were like, bow back, cause they got a PhD. I got a PhD, man, talking to me like that? Hey, hey! And then they, they were like, whoa, man, they're, they're really bold. I can't, I can't argue this. I'm going to look like a fool. They backed off. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What marked the early church was they were bold. Oh, they were bold. Oh, hallelujah. And brothers and sisters, we got to be bold in preaching the gospel. Amen. In Acts 4.29, when, they, when the early church got threatened, you know what they prayed? Lord, deliver us from these threats. May it never happen to us ever again. No, that's not how they prayed. They said, Acts 4.29, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Hallelujah. That is a prayer right there. That's a prayer that God admires and he himself inspires. Amen. Woo. Hallelujah. Man, but we don't really hear that in the church today. What was, what was going on in India? What was going on in Africa? What's going on? Where, where, where? In Nepal, what? Lord, we pray, Lord. Lord, get them out of that situation, Lord. Lord, protect them. And Lord, may it never happen to them again. That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a prayer from our own flesh. That's a prayer from our own mind. How do you know that God doesn't want to glorify himself through it and deliver his people through it? Not to just take them out of it right away. In fact, what happened in Acts chapter 4 actually helped to spread the gospel all over the known world. You know what believers do? When believers, they get excited about God, they tend to clump up together and they don't go nowhere. Hallelujah. I'm telling you right now. If our church, if all we do is clump up together and and after a period of time we stop, we, we don't go out. We don't continually go out, right? Remember what God will do? God will, he'll scatter us. There's some good people in here. And if you won't go, he'll make sure you go. If you won't listen to his call, hallelujah, he'll send some persecution. He'll send a financial calamity. Hallelujah. I mean, a fire can burn down this building next week. But we don't want that kind of fire, Lord. I mean, hallelujah, what if I, well, no, what if, what if, man, what if? I, I don't want to say all these what ifs. The devil's just saying, I'm not giving him ideas. I don't want to give him no ideas. But hallelujah, God, God, there's a protection that God provides as well. But hallelujah. We got to be bold in our preaching. We got to be bold in our intercession. All right, Jesus said, Luke eleven eight. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. If you've got an unanswered prayer in your life, let me tell you what the answer is. Boldness. Hallelujah. Boldness. Because Jesus is saying, this guy in this example, is a wick, he's, he's, a, he's just a wicked man. He's just like any other man on the earth. And being a wicked man, he's going to get up and give this guy all that he needs because of this guy's boldness. How much more... Will your heavenly father who is good give all that he, you need if you come at him with bonus? Hallelujah. And the ones where you're bold on the wrong things, God would just say no. All right. Can't manipulate God, right? 
but he sees boldness and he sees faith. Hallelujah. We've got to be bold in our intercession. We need to be bold when we deal with the devil. When the enemy came, comes against you, you got to be bold, brothers and sisters. Look at, look at our young man, David. Hallelujah. He was anointed by Samuel. Spirit of God came upon him. Hallelujah. There's a bedajashi. Hallelujah. <laughs> when the lion came, he was bold. Struck down that lion, the bear. And when Goliath came, you know, Goliath was a manifestation of the enemy. He was a manifestation of demonic spirits back in that day. And those demon spirits were trying to mock, trying to belittle David. What did David say? David said, uh, you're much bigger and I'm much smaller, but I have a chance that I can knock you down uh, with this stone if I shoot it accurately and I know God's with me, so I'm going to try. Man, that's not boldness, brothers and sisters. That's how, we, that's how we confront the devil most of the time. Oh, you know what David did? All right. He didn't even give Goliath a chance. Goliath was like, <laughs> he was still in the middle of his laughter. <laughs> And David said, you come at me with swords, javelins, and spears. I come at you at the name of the Lord Almighty. Wow. And Goliath is like, what do you say? Hello. <laughs> and all the older, older soldiers, all his older brothers were like, oh, snap. What's got into him? And then not only did he stop there, man, he went up to that dead body of Goliath. He took a sword. And he cut off his head. My young teenage boy, he cut it off. Hey, hey, Dave, what you know? You don't got to do all that. Look, he's dead. David said, no. He must cut off his head. And you know what? That's symbolic. We don't want to just, hey, devil, get out of my property. Get out of my area. Get off my family. And we're good. Stay off my lawn. Okay. <laughs> that's how we deal with the devil. But David didn't deal with the devil like that. David went over, cut off his head. And then he was like, come on! Come on, the rest of y'all! Come on! Come on! He was bold! Humble was bold! And when they, when, when then the rest of the Israelites saw that, you know what they did? They were like, yeah! We can take them! And they all ran, and then they defeated these Philistine armies. That's what we gotta do, man. When one of us rises up with that kind of boldness, it inspires the rest of us to fight in the same way. Boldness. We gotta mean boldness dealing with the enemy. And this boldness, it's not, it's not rooted in presumption or foolishness. It's rooted in hope. It's mentioned here, right? Verse 12. Since we have such a hope, since we have this hope, we are very bold. We are very, very bold. And Paul says that the glory that was seen at the giving of the Ten Commandments, it was so glorious that Moses put a veil, veil, to cover his face. Hallelujah. I wonder where Moses got the veil from, first of all. Where did he get the... Anyway, he had covered his face with a veil. But Paul is saying, if the ministry that brought death was that glorious, how much more glorious the ministry that brings life through the Spirit? If you look at the end of this chapter, he says, we all, in the New King James, he says, we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. 
which comes from the Lord. Who is the Spirit? Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. And because we have the Spirit of God residing in us through faith in Christ, we don't got to put on a veil on our face. In fact, we got to let people know. We got to go out and let people know. We got to go out with unveiled faces, brothers and sisters. Don't hide your Christianity until you're about to leave your job and then say, Hey, man, y'all, by the way, I was a Christian all this time. I was praying for y'all. I hope y'all find Jesus. Peace. You know. <laughs> Not the way we evangelize. But this is the Bible says. Righteous are bold as a lion. They're as bold as a lion. Sometimes when I minister and the anointing is flowing powerfully, I'm very bold. In fact, some people might think I'm rude. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not pride. It's boldness. When the Spirit of God comes upon somebody, man... Signs and wonders start to happen. Hallelujah. You're going to see people bold. Hallelujah. You know what? Some people will never experience that. You know why? They've created a mental block. They've created a mental block in their minds regarding what they think is pride. And they will always despise a person that operates in that kind of boldness. And, and you know what? God sees that and he'll, he'll never bring you into that. Some people will never experience that. And that's a, that's a shame. Because they don't have a proper view of pride, humility, confidence, boldness, competence. Hallelujah. Some people never preach the gospel because they don't, they don't want to offend anyone or appear intolerant or rude to other people's beliefs. And if you approach it the wrong way with the wrong spirit, that's exactly what will happen. You probably will appear very rude. But if you evangelize filled by the Spirit of God, a confidence and boldness will clothe you. Now we're not talking about being rude. We're talking about being bold. And you know what? If you think you're being humble by not approaching people, by you don't want to appear rude, if that's the way you've been living, look, in God's eyes, let me tell you what the real issue looks like. In God's eyes, the real issue is this. You're just too proud to risk your neck, to risk your name, to make Christ's name great. That's the way it looks like in God's eye. Doesn't look any other way. He doesn't think you got a virtuous, noble heart for thinking that way. He just thinks you're being proud. Brothers and sisters, when this life is over, our name is not going to account for much. Oh, sure, our stories will be told in heaven. Apostle Paul, I bet you he's looking on, he's amazed by some of the stories that are being written right now. Far greater than anything he's ever done. Jesus said it. He said, you will do the same things I've been doing, and even greater things than these you will do, because I'm going to the Father. That means the glory of the latter house will be greater than the first. So stories, see... Once again, God's like Apple computers. He likes to outdo himself. Every new life, every new generation, he does even greater and greater and greater things. Especially in the last generation, man, they're going to they're gonna be in for an adventure. Apostle Paul's like almost holy envy up there. Man, I wish I was down there. 
with all that internet and cars and wow, that looks like fun. Look at that. It's a chair in the sky called an airplane. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And, he, and, and they're looking on. They're rooting us on. But brothers and sisters, we will never have any part in his story unless we get some confidence and become competent and learn to move in boldness. Hallelujah. At this church, we're trying to raise up an army of God. Look, an army cannot go out and do the work of God without these things. We're trying to fulfill the vision that we believe God's given us here at JSCM. And that's to be a mighty army. No, wait a minute. We're trying to fulfill the vision. We are, hallelujah, all right, wait a minute, hallelujah, praise God. We are trying, we will fulfill the vision God's given us, hallelujah, amen? Bonus. Saying it the wrong way. Brothers and sisters, I invite you. I invite you to let the greatest author of all time take the pen. Let him write upon your hearts by his spirit the greatest story that will ever be told. Don't you miss out on it because everybody will be talking about it on the other side of eternity. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord Father, we just thank you, God, that you have made us competent as ministers of this new covenant. Lord, in the Old Testament, you set apart one tribe out of 12 to be the priests and ministers. But Lord, in our generation, God, you're calling all of us to be priests and ministers of our Lord. And God, Lord, my prayer is that Lord, every person in here will rise up with some confidence, oh God. Not wallowing in false humility, but rising up, oh God, with confidence. And that they will see themselves as ministers, competent ministers of the new covenant. Not just looking to the pastor, not just looking to the leaders to do all the work of the ministry. But they will see themselves as being entrusted with the ministry. In every sphere of life, oh God, you have called your people to be ministers. Whether it's in the business realm, or the political realm, or in the art world, or in, oh God, Lord, the ministry, oh God, Lord. Or whether we got wherever it is in the sports arena, Lord, you have called us to be ministers of our God. And I pray that we will see ourselves as competent, oh God. Because you call us competent. And you are making us competent. And in all these things, may we be bold, oh God. Bold in all our dealings, oh God. Bold, oh God, as your spirit fills us. Fill us with more of your spirit that we may be a bold people. For we have this hope. We have this hope. This ministry of life through the Spirit. It is a wonderful ministry. One that will not be taken away from us, O oh God. And we have this hope since we have it. We are very bold. May your people be very bold. Hallelujah. Until your Lord, until your Son returns, O oh God. We pray it, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.